0: A good worship and some time of prayer. That's what church is all about. Well, we're, uh, we're talking about staying in love. We all know that falling in love is easy, but staying in love is the hard part. And we see that um, a kind of a scary growing statistic that even couples that have been together 20 years plus are finding the relationships dissolving, finding divorce when they never thought it was going to happen. And so maybe you're sitting here this morning and you're a 20-something single person saying, oh, great, just what I need to hear. This is for you, because if you'll listen, you'll figure out how to pick the right person and how to be the right person for the person you're going to find. Maybe you're already in a relationship, but you want it to be better then listen up, and hopefully it can fix some things going on in your marriage. And again, this is not a a multi-tool, but this is just God's plan and His Word for us. Maybe you've been through divorce. You say, I don't want anything to do with any of that mess. (laughs) Well, God's plan is for you to not be alone, and He'd like for you to be with somebody, but you don't need to mess up the next one and the next one and the next one, so how about you learn what you need to learn now for your future relationship? And so again, no guilt on being single, no guilt on being divorced, or having trouble in your marriage. Trouble comes to everybody. The question is, what will you do? You can either use it as an excuse, or you can use it as a stepping stone to step into God's promises for what He wants for you. So we're going to talk about what it means to stay in love, what it takes to stay in love, whether you're single in a relationship, or you're looking for a future relationship. Now, there's a a movie out there, I don't know if you've seen it, and I, I try not to uh, endorse movies or any of that, so I'm not going to say whether it's a good or a bad movie, but the young lady ends up pregnant, and um, she doesn't know what to do, her, her folks are divorced, and her boyfriend that she's with has left her, and she decides that she's going to uh, deliver the baby and give it up to adoption, and she meets this couple, and... Then she notices that this couple that she really liked that was going to be the parents to her baby, they're having problems. (laughs) And in a pretty uh, unique moment, she talks to her dad, and she's she's going to explain this whole process, and and you expect that maybe, maybe he's going to flip out that his teenage daughter is pregnant, and yet it's a pretty tender moment. And she asks a couple questions here we're going to put up on the screen that I think are going to apply to us today. She says, Dad, I guess I wonder sometimes if people ever stay together for good, like people in love. Now let that sink in for just a minute. I guess I wonder if people ever stay together for good, you know, people in love. And a little bit later, she says, I just need to know that it's possible for two people to stay happy together forever. Now that's the big question out there, not just to you, but to a world, to a culture. And so that's my big question to you this morning. Is it possible for two people to stay happy together forever? And I know you're Christians and you're faith-filled people, and you want to say, yes, of course, it's possible it just ain't probable. <laughs> but I believe, and you believe, that is something we all want. I believe we all want to meet that special someone that we're going to spend the rest of our lives with. I believe we don't want to go through this life alone. And I believe we don't want to go through this life paired with somebody that treats us poorly and we have a long marriage of misery. <laughs> I don't think that's what God wants for us either. And so, as we understand this, just just from the get-go, this is just laying the foundation. It's going to be a little weird this month because next week we've got our, our missionaries from Casa Shalom, Guatemala coming, and they're going to really blow you away with what they're doing down there and uh, how to help them. And, and then at the end of the month, we've got Sean and Holly Baker coming from the Israel Initiative. So just know that this is going to be a little bit different, and, um, and just bear with me as I try to set the foundation for this so that we can truly Truly see, what does it take to have healthy relationships? Now, why this is so important to me is this. I believe that the world sees a lot more how we live than what happens in this building. And if we have outstanding marriages, marriages that they are envious of, relationships that are strong and loving and dynamic and God-driven, then we're speaking a pretty clear testimony of who God is. And we can come here every Sunday and hear good sermons, and if our marriages are a mess and our lives are shattered and we are just people just like them, I guess I would ask myself, then what's the use of knowing a God? Because there's a lot more than just being saved from sin. He's given us a life to live. He says he wants it to be an abundant life. And so if you've been hurt by relationships, and probably everybody here has had a relationship that's gone bad. Maybe you're in that relationship right now. But just know that God, through His Word, and through, as we listen to this, I'm just giving just little simple tips for you. That maybe, just maybe, we can repair some relationships, hope for better relationships. And even better, if you're not in a relationship right now, hopefully you make the right relationship choice in the future. Because that's the worst. You keep making the same bad choice. I've got a person like this in my family. And maybe you've got a person like this too. They're what I call a bum magnet. Find somebody, and that guy doesn't work out, doesn't want to marry her, is just a jerk, freeloader, and then pretty soon that relationship breaks up, and guess what? They're devastated, can't believe this happened, and it's not a very short amount of time before she finds another guy, just like that last guy. She's like, it's going to be different this time. And everybody else is like, no, it's not. He just put a new name tag on. (laughs) And then inevitably, when it turns out, they're crushed again. Why does this keep happening to me? Because you're a moron. You don't know how to pick the right person. And you don't want anybody else to help you pick that person. But can I tell you that that's half the equation. Picking the right person is half the equation. But the other half is being the right person. Being the right person. So despite what we see in our culture, despite what we see in the media, despite all the divorce stats, we're not going to talk about all that this morning. We know what they are. We know what's happening out there. Uh, Despite what happened in maybe your previous marriage or even what you saw your mom and dad go through, there's still something inside of us. I believe there's still something inside of us that wants to have that type of a relationship where we can be happy together forever. And not only do we think it's possible, we believe that it can be for us. Not just for somebody else. We all, we all want that. And, and we go to weddings and we wish people well and all that, but I'm telling you, I believe there is a hope inside of us that God has placed for a right relationship where we truly hope and believe that our relationship will be great and we grow old together and people will see us as we use our walker and our wheelchair going to the nursing home cafeteria where we sit and hold hands and everybody around says, wow, look at them. They're so old, they're almost dead, but but they're still in love. I mean, that's what we want, right? Nobody wants the, wow, it was great for 20 years, and then they started over. Wow, it was great for six years, and then they started over, and then over, and then over. Nobody wants that. What we want is the dream. We want the happily ever after, and I believe we can have that. We want to hear, wow, look at that. They've been married for 62 years, 70 years, and they're still in love. Now is a great time for us to take about 10 seconds and talk about falling in love. And hopefully if you are not in a relationship right now, you need to listen to this, because it only takes 10 seconds to talk about falling in love, because there's only requirement for falling in love is a pulse. if you have a pulse you can fall in love that's it because we fall in love with people we don't even meet there's people oh did you see that movie with with so-and-so oh he's just dreamy wow did you see that weather lady man she was amazing did you see i mean and you don't even know them and there was a time in America where that was very different. Any of you from the 60s that remember Beatlemania? Girls fawning and swooning and screaming and crying over four British guys they had never met before. And girls putting up Leaf Garrett commercials or pictures on their walls and, right? Teen Beat. And I don't know if you remember some of those. We were weird people. I don't know what happened in the 70s that, again, all the guys had long hair, all the guys had their shirt open to about here. None of them had hair on their chest. But can I tell you, that's not love. Did you know that in the United States today, there's over 1,500 matchmaker organizations? So it's never been easier to fall in love. But it's never been more difficult to stay in love. And believe me, there's a big difference between falling in love and staying in love. It's hard to stay in love, I believe, because there's so few of us who have actually seen it modeled. And maybe you saw your parents, maybe you didn't. But even if you did see them, you probably didn't tune in to what it took to watch what, it, what they had to do to become a successfully long-term married couple. Many of us see the shattered lives of the people around us, or worse, we take our cues from the media or from the culture around us, and we don't really know how to model what does it take to stay in love forever. What does it take to have a great, amazing love relationship? It's a great question. Well, I'm here to tell you what it takes. According to a bunch of smart people who sat down and decided what was needed to have a great relationship, this is what it takes. It takes for you to have a very strong and consistent amount of respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. This is what the experts say. We need large, consistent doses of respect, encouragement, comfort, security, support, acceptance, approval, appreciation, attention, and affection. And it sounds exactly like the family I grew up in. How about yours? Now think about that list for just a minute consistent large doses of all of that is what's required to have a healthy long-term relationship. I mean, what are the odds? (laughs) And even if you got that, even if you had that family, what's the odds of you finding another person, the person you want to marry that had that? Because that's the trick, isn't it? You see, if we had all that, and we find somebody else that had all that, we would have a great, long-lasting, I-love-you-forever marriage, relationship. But the problem is we don't have those things, and then we find somebody and we want it from them. We want them to give it to us. And what started out as long hugs and kisses becomes a headlock saying, give me affection, (laughs) give me attention, give me the respect that I'm due, give me, give me, give me, because we need it. And when they can't give it to us, and I'm just telling you, nobody can give it all to you. And you can blame your folks if you want, but don't blame them. I mean, many of them, especially those of you older than me, you grew up in families where you may not have even heard your folks ever say they loved each other. (laughs) It was just expressed through hard work and doing the laundry and raising the kids and going to a plant job for 30 years. And that was love. And you probably had some ideas and said, you know, Dad, don't you love me? Well, of course I did. I just beat you the other day. What, what do you want? Dads didn't sit down in those days and read for 30 minutes with their kids or play Call of Duty for an hour and a half. They went to work, long hours, came home, fixed cars, did plumbing, <laughs> did the stuff they had to do, and they were fathers. And it doesn't mean that you get to check out and say, well, uh, it doesn't matter anymore. What really matters is all of these things don't help. Because what happens is you find somebody based on how they look and how you feel around them. And then when you realize they can't give you all of these things, they're not so cute anymore. (laughs) You know, can you help me find respect and encouragement, appreciation, or are you just cute? You know, can you give me the attention, the affection that I desire, or do you just have a good job? And pretty soon, none of that really matters when we don't have the internal stuff that we really need, the stuff that makes us whole, the stuff that really makes for the glue of a long-term relationship, because looks fade. Right? My wife and I, had we had some awesome older couples at a previous church. And their name was Ralph and Jeannie. Still in love. Still wonderful. Uh, just, and, and funny, and honest, and blunt, and, and I love that on their, on their refrigerator, they had a big magnet, about four by six, that was in bold print that said, Looks don't last, but cooking does. <laughs> yeah. Now, this is the, the dream couple. I mean, let me lay it on you real quick. This is the couple that met. He didn't have a great life. His father was killed early by a freak motorcycle ac- or motor uh, vehicle accident. But they'd both met at church, had both, quote, fallen in love. And before that relationship ever got going, he got drafted into World War II and was going to end up dropping into Normandy and got sick. And ended up not going. And so he missed that first wave, survived, and calls her from London and says, Honey, I want to get married. And had actually, uh, since they had decommissioned it, since something was wrong with it, took his reserve chute, his parachute, and actually was going to send that home for her to make a dress out of the silk, because you couldn't get a lot of silk in those days, have a silk dress for a wedding dress. Came home, got married, started a job, had three boys, and have been living the dream ever since. And of course, no problems, no money issues, no emotional issues, and yet, 65 years, this year will be their 66th year of marriage, where Jeannie can't get around her anymore, and Ralph or in a wheelchair. They had, had big plans that when he retired and got all the kids off, that they would get an RV and travel the United States see all the things they didn't get to see because he worked hard to provide for the family. Unfortunately, two years after they got the RV, Jeannie's health took a turn. And they didn't get to travel, but just for a few short trips. Didn't change their marriage, didn't change the relationship. Still in love today, still vibrant as ever and you can either feel guilty about that or realize after long conversations there's times they wanted to kill each other but they made some decisions they made some decisions and and some of these things we just have to own up to and realize that if it requires to have that list if that's what it takes then probably most of us are doomed But can I tell you that there is more hope than just that list? But there's some staggering things that we have to understand. Last year in the United States, 40% of the children born were born without a father in the home. 40%. Now, if it takes that list... For a child to have a right relationship, how will 40% of them that won't know the love, attention, respect, affection, encouragement of a father, they're going to struggle in relationships? And maybe you're one of those kids, and you've grown up and not known what it's like to have a, a family. Maybe you grew up in a broken home, or you've had several fathers come through your world. You've had no fathers come through your world. You've had mess happen in your life. And if you're dependent on that list, then you just have to check out and say it's not possible. But I'm here to say it is possible. Because there is a way to overcome those things, despite how you begin. But it's not about that list. And so I'm telling you, we can't continue to take our cues from media and believe the stats But the second problem that our culture deals with is we have a really, really, really low threshold for pain in relationships. Now what that means is it doesn't have to get very bad before we're looking for the door. It's it's getting hard, and I'm out. And unfortunately, with every passing generation, that threshold's getting lower and lower and lower. Her hair dryer was too loud. I'm gone. But gone are the days of when I said I do, that means I do. Even if it's hard, even if it's messy. I said I do, so I do, and we're going to do it because that's what we do. I said I do. (laughs) We get bombarded with messages telling us that if we aren't happy, we must have chosen the wrong person now the way to be happy is to re-choose and start over again until we find the right person. And we'll find that right person if we keep looking. Somehow, you'll just know your soulmate, right? You just have to find the right person. But I'm willing to bet that if you talk to a couple that's been married 20-plus years, you're going to find out that somewhere along the way They might have had a couple days where they thought they chose poorly. My wife can give you a testament to that. They didn't choose the right person, but they were so thankful that they stayed and worked through the hard times because choosing the right person, as I said before, is part of the equation, but the other part of the equation is being the right person. Now, I know you're saying, wow, this is so encouraging this morning, Pastor. Thank you so much. It really makes me want to get into relationship. It really makes me feel so good. So just hold on and realize that we've got several weeks. I'm just laying the foundation here. And and again, I just want to, I want us to speak to the facts because until we can deal with reality, we'll never be able to make the changes that are necessary. Now, here comes the good news. The good news is, That in spite of the huge mess that's out there, despite the complexity of relationships right now, Jesus speaks on this very topic, and he gives some pretty amazing and enduring words that will stand the test of time and will make it through trouble. And yet his advice is so simple and counterintuitive, it'll make you do a double take, it'll make you say, no, it's, it's got to be more than that. It's, it's got to be something more. But it's so simple that it usually slips right by us, and, and we say, no, 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 it's, it's got to be better than that. And so here's his advice from John chapter 13, verse 34. This profound counterintuitive statement about how to have a great relationship is this, love one another. Now, for those of you that are expecting really something shocking, you're saying, come on, Pastor. (laughs) That's as deep as you can dig. I mean, you should have spent a little more time studying on this one. Hang on for a minute. He says, I'm giving you a new commandment. That means it's an imperative. That means it's ongoing. It's not just a one-time deal. Keep doing it over and 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 over. Really, he said, keep doing this till I come back. And then he says something interesting. You want the deep? Here's a little bit of the deep. That word "new" doesn't mean like it's this brand new concept. They knew about love. God had told them this all the way back in Deuteronomy. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. They understood that. He says, I want you to see this as, and the, the word that he used really means fresh. I want to put a fresh new perspective on this for you. Not only am I asking you to love, I'm asking you to love each other as I loved you. That's a whole different thing. Because what we think is love, depending on what your version of love is, we understand that. But how about this new perspective, this fresh new attitude of we got to love like Jesus loved us. Now let's be honest for a minute. When Jesus came and died for us, how many of us were perfect? No one Filthy, horrible, backslidden, rebellious sinners. Even those of you that were raised up in the church. Sinner. Without Him, you would have went to hell. Period. He found us when we were still sinners and yet still loved us and gave His life for us. That's the type of love He's talking about. And he didn't just do it once on the cross. He had the patience to put up with a bunch of lunk-headed disciples for three years. Asking all types of stupid questions. Still not getting who he was. Even having Peter says, No, I'm not going to let this happen to you. And he had to rebuke him. I mean, these are the type of guys he's dealing with. It's a fresh concept. But what he really does... If you really want to know, you want the deeper part that you don't just get from reading the Scripture, is He blows their minds, and He blows most of our minds here this morning because He takes the word love noun and changes it to a verb. We're going to take love from feeling to action, and so from now on, I'm not telling you to feel that person, I'm telling you to verb, act in love towards that person, and act like I would act towards that person. That's where, whoa, think about your marriage right now. What happens when the feeling wears off, and now it's verb? You want to know what it takes? It takes making that transition right there. That's the first perspective because I'll tell you, you stay in a relationship long enough, she ain't going to look like she looks 30 years from now. No matter how much Mary Kay, no matter how much lipo, lipo suction, this, that, whatever, you can lift, tuck, grab, drag, whatever you need to do, but she ain't going to look like she looked when she was 20. And for a real refresher, guys, look in the mirror. All that hair that left your head is not growing out of your ears. Cool. Somehow, that big chest that you had from working out and working hard jobs has just kind of slowly slid down. You find yourself, even though you're five- foot 10, shopping in big and tall. But what's that got to do with love if love is a verb? Nothing at all. You may not feel it, noun, but he says we've got to do it, action, verb. I want you to verb your fellow man. I want you to verb those around you. And I remind you, I remind you that in this group of people, I've said this before, we've got to remember this, You've got a doctor, highly educated. You've got fishermen, no education. How do you think those guys talked? Difficult. You've got a tax collector, a guy that rips off his own people so that he can make money. And you've got a zealot, a guy that hunts tax collectors that rips off his own people. And he's looking at this whole group and all these guys in between. And then a little guy named Judas Iscariot. And he says to this whole group, picked on purpose, I want you to love one another. Because if they can do it, they will show the world what love is. Not what it means to walk in the dust behind Jesus. Not what it means to sit down and listen to teaching. But what it means for a zealot not to kill a tax collector. And a physician not to have his mind completely, thoroughly dulled by a bunch of lame fishermen. But to see these guys live in harmony and acceptance and love and prayer and a life, because it was based on the love verb of Jesus Christ. You see, if we made love a train, what happens is our feeling becomes the engine when we first see that person, we first start having a relationship, and the feeling is driving the train. But then it doesn't take very long, and this is necessary that that part that was the engine, the feeling, should become the caboose. It can't drive the relationship forever. And what should become the engine is the action, the verb of loving. And the problem is, many of us keep the feeling at the engine driving the relationship, and it's impossible. This is why we choose another person, because we say, I've lost the feeling. And and somehow, because of this definition of love, it's weird. It's like (laughs) we fall in. Into love like we fell into a pool and we fall out of love like we fall out of a high chair Because it's based on emotion, but he said it's not that it's action It's about making a choice a commitment a desire to do what I'm supposed to do And I'm going to tell you a secret this morning So doesn't leave the room, okay? The more you make love a verb, the more you'll make love. The more you make love a verb, the more you'll make love. But you didn't hear that from me. I can't give you sex advice. But you've got to understand this. If you really want to have a real love life, you've got to make love a verb. See, people even switch that. They think that love and sex go together, and I'm here to tell you, you can have one without the other. Those two can be mutually exclusive. But if you really want to make love a verb, you'll understand what it is to have a long lasting real relationship that endures the ages. Jesus wants us to actively love one another. But he didn't stop there. He goes on and he says that horrible part, I want you to love like I loved you. You have to love one another that way. He knows what real love is. Now why he speaks into this is he doesn't want us to take our cues from culture. These guys have been around. These guys know what sex is. These guys know what women look like. They know what lust is. They know what looks are. And yet, he says, you can't take your role from that. You can't just go by what you've known. I want you to take one of the most important decisions you can make. I want you to take your cue from me. I know what love is. I know what it takes. And you can't take it from your friends can't take it from the news media. You can't even take it from your parents. But we can go to the one place that's true and solid and doesn't change, and that's Jesus Christ. He has spoken on this issue. You want to know how to have a great relationship? Love, verb, one another. Now, the hard part is, I'm not so sure how to do that. We're going to talk about that in the weeks to come but you've got to flip in your mind that love isn't the feeling or just the looks of a person. Love is a verb. It's an action that must be taken. Now, years later, Paul Paul comes and he says this same concept to the church in Ephesus who's going through all these problems and and he uses a different word. It's a word that we all hate and and it's found in Ephesians 5.21. He says this, this crazy thing. He says, Submit to one another. Now, I know we all hate that word, (laughs) but notice how he says to submit. Submit to one another, what? Out of reverence for Christ. Now, notice the first time he said, I want you to love one another like I love you, but now I'm telling you to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And submit doesn't mean dominate. Submit doesn't mean slavery. Submit means, no, you first. No, you first. No, you first. No, You first. That means you're always constantly putting the other person first. But it's also mutual. It's not just wives submit to your husband, but husbands submit to your wives. See, we always forget that part in old school church. It was always wives submit to your husband. And then we forget that it said we should submit to one another. And so this means that we say, no, you first, honey. And she says, no, you first, honey. And I say, no, you first. And you first. No, you first. Now, it may make it impossible to get into a building, <laughs> okay? <laughs> but it'll mean you've got a great relationship. Because if we can actually, that's the doing. Do you see that? It's the putting. It's the action. Putting somebody first. And one of the problems that we face today is somebody saying, hey, I'm doing my part. You know, marriage is 50-50. I'm here to tell you, marriage is not 50-50. It was never designed to be 50-50. It's 100-100. You do your part when you don't feel like it and when they don't deserve it. Well, he doesn't deserve my respect. Does he deserve? Do you deserve His love? You wouldn't be surprised how many women get offended when I say that. They come to my office. It's like, I've got no respect for my husband. I said, well, you should respect him anyway. I just can't. And I said, well, what are you going to do to earn his love? Well, I shouldn't have to earn his love. Then why does he have to earn your respect? When the Bible says, women, respect your husband. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's an action. Husbands, love your wives. Well, imagine if he said, honey, I'm going to love you. When you earn it. Makes you feel good, doesn't it? Dear, I just don't feel like you're loving me. Well, you haven't earned it. Sorry. Aren't you glad it doesn't work that way? Aren't you glad that's not what Jesus wants for our lives? He's like, you do it even when they don't earn it, even when they don't deserve it on their worst day is when love kicks in. That's the submission. You're a horrible mess, and I love you anyway. just like Jesus did for us. It's a choice, regardless of how you feel. And no, it doesn't make sense, but it's exactly, it's exactly what he's talking about. And if we would dare to take our cue from Jesus, instead of those around us, we would see that he, not our spouse, not our boyfriend or our girlfriend, he's the one that gives us that list of respect, attention, encouragement, encouragement, and he's the only one that can give that to you. They might be able to give you a couple of those, but if you want that full list, that only comes from Jesus because he knows how to feed the inner man, the inner woman. So is it possible for two people to fall in love and stay in love together forever? Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it the easiest thing you'll ever do? Not on your life. But is it possible? Absolutely. Is it doable? Absolutely. But it may mean you have to flip that switch in your brain and move from making love a noun to making love a verb. It means that we're going to decide to mutually submit. It's not a one-way street. And then, then we can figure out, who's the person I should choose? Is he a a good man? Is he a righteous man? Is he a a person that that I can submit to and he'll submit to me and and we'll understand that if you want to have great love, you've got to make love a verb. Now we're going to wrap this up and you'll be up here on the screen in just a second, but in two weeks we're going to be really specific about what mutual submission is and how we do this whole action of loving one another, but I don't want you to Take two weeks off and come in here cold, forgetting that we even said anything today. So there's a card that came with your bulletin. If you didn't get one, I'm going to ask that maybe you pick one up on your way out. But on the front, there's some scripture we're going to be talking through. And I'm just going to ask if you would read that over the next week. Just read that and process that. Let your brain get filled with that. And then on the back, there's some questions that if you're married in a relationship, you should answer those on your own, not... Not with him or her watching over your shoulder. Just kind of read through those to, to ask yourself some questions. That's kind of your homework over the next couple of weeks. And, and you're saying, hey, I didn't come to church to do homework. I came here to catch a quick nap. I got you. I got gotcha. you. Gotcha. But if you really want a life that's going to be different, we talked about change this morning, then change has to be a verb as well. <laughs> Change isn't something I can do to you. Change is something you begin to do. So if you could just read that each day, look through that, and be able to say, hey, I think I can do this. i got to wrap my head around this a little bit and, and be ready for, for what it means. And, and for some of you, it doesn't mean you got to find a new person. That's not what I'm saying. It means maybe you got to learn to be the right person. Or maybe you've got to look at that person in a different light than you've ever looked at them before. Because if if you feel like you haven't chosen the right person, then your part is to be the right person. And begin to verb them. And begin to mutually submit to them. And I'm not talking about being abused or tyrannized or any of that. I'm talking about mutual.